Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Josh Neighbors, Crystal Ball College Football. The Neighborhood Watch joins us now from the road. Josh, Kansas State and Oklahoma State play tonight. Uh, I don't think there's probably much variance in what people think is going to happen in this game. But that being said, this feels like the moment where Oklahoma State can show what they have, if anything, or start thinking about 2024. Yeah, I think they should probably be doing that already. Uh, if, if it was me, I mean, I think Garrett Rangel was, was the right call, quarterback just because, you know, I think it's, it's the best chance to, to see what you have in a young kid and you have plenty of eligibility left, right? Like Alan Bowman, I mean, I think we know what's going on to get, what, six wins out of him, seven wins out of him. It's an important game for them. They need to play well, but K-State off a of bye. I know Oklahoma State had one too, but K-State's coming off by, and it's funny because they're not a ranked team, but if you look at the spread, like going on the road, against a coach that we all think is pretty good. They're still a 10-plus point favorite. That, that's the kind of line that you see a team that, you know, is thought of as a top 20, 25 team. So they might not have the ranking next to their name, but for me still, they're definitely a good enough team to, to be ranked. And um, I expect them to take care of business. I think they can run the football in this game against uh, against the Oklahoma State defense. And uh, I think that'll be a big advantage they have in I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be able to establish the run. Ollie Gordon's been really good this year. He's probably their best offensive player this year. But I don't think they have the, the guys up front to really establish the run against K-State's front, even without Deuce Green. Uh, it's just hard. To, you know, it wouldn't be weird to see a Friday night you know, upset uh, happen. But still, I think this K-State's a, a much better outfit at this point in time. All right, Red River, Josh, let's get into it. Uh, this is um... – you know, the the best matchup between these two teams in a very long time. Uh, Texas looks like they are CFP bound right now, um, you know, barring any kind of unforeseen circumstance in there because the way their schedule lines up. Oklahoma, though, too, like regard, if they play well in this game, the way their schedule lines up kind of lends them to be maybe New York, New Year's six bound themselves because they look like a much improved team. Where do you think the rub comes down for Oklahoma to try to slow down Texas and everything that they've got going for them right now? Yeah, you know, I think I've wondered a lot in the first few weeks, like which team is going to get guys in space against Oklahoma, especially in the passing game, and then challenge those defenders to make tackles. And the way they did it last year, that was a big problem. They tackled much better this year, but it's not like they've been they've been going up against super high powered offenses. Now, I know I know Iowa State's offense has come around recently, but it's not been great. SMU usually expect a high-powered attack, but I'm not a huge fan of you know their quarterback this year. It's not kind of the normal SMU that we're used to seeing, and so I, I think that you know this is the first challenge that's tough for challenge to have. I mean, they've played five games, yes, but 
the reason why we thought oh, you had a good chance to do something this year is because of schedule. I don't necessarily think it's because the overall quality of, of the team. So I think it's the big challenge is like, can you cover A.D. Mitchell? Can you tackle Xavier Worthy in space? You tackle Jonathan Brooks in space. My God. I mean, Jonathan Brooks, you know, is one of the best running backs in the country. And, and their rushing, the rushing attack has picked up rightly left off. I also think, too, that's a big uh, indicator of where their offensive line is at this point in time. Uh, their offensive line has really improved. They mauled Kansas. And that's what you expect. I did improve Kansas' front. They mauled Kansas up front. Jonathan Brooks had a big day. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm curious on that defensive side because that's where Venables hangs his hat is, is the defense, obviously. So I'm curious if the defense is up to the task. I know Texas's offense will mess around at times. You know, these, these can be back and forth games. But, like, it, it, you know, if we're going to start trading scores, I think Texas defense can get the key stop in the end as opposed to Oklahoma's because Texas, whenever they've needed a score this year, ha- has gotten They haven't needed scores that often outside the Bama game. But, I mean, last, you know, last week it was a one-score game. <laughs> ended up winning by 26 points, even though it was a one-score game in the third quarter. So, uh, you know, I, I trust Texas a bit more uh, at this point. And also they got, they got the massive chip on their shoulder, or the massive excuse me, a mental advantage. They beat them 48-0 last year, and this team's arguably better than it was last year. So is OU, but this version of Texas has that mental edge too. Yeah, they, they really seem to. Like, the, the biggest thing about Texas before was they – were not mentally stronger than most of their opponents. They just weren't. No. Like they might have been physically better, but they it did not take months to to completely shake their confidence and now I haven't seen their confidence get shaken for one second of any of their games. Yeah, they didn't blink. I mean they, they didn't play once when they were at Bama. I, I think the one thing you could say is like their their execution hasn't been great at times. The Rice game there's moments, the Wyoming game there's moments. Even the Baylor game there's moments right with the punts and whatnot. But, you know, you think about, like, the KU game last week. I mean, all of their drives were long drives. And they had a missed field goal, and they settled for a field goal near the interception. But, like, they moved the ball at will on Kansas, which they should. But really, it's it's kind of on them when things, like, don't – when things don't go well for them, it's really Texas causing the issues. It's not other teams. Now, that could come back to bite them in a game against a team if Oklahoma is as good as we think they are. That could come back to bite you, but – you saw the Alabama game, like, they were not the team making mistakes. Alabama was. And they can kind of go hammer down a little bit, uh, you know, uh, as well. So that's the one thing about Texas. They seem a bit more locked in. Now, I think as the pressure builds throughout the season, that could change a bit because, you know, things will mount each week. But at this point in time right now, you know, we're, I know we're just entering the beginning of October. We've already played the five games. But at this point, you know, it doesn't feel like they've been pressed too much up but uh, the texas game against alabama like it just it felt like they're the better team they were the better team and i think it just showed and how often can you say it's in a texas game well they were better and they just took care of business uh, you know in those big moments they have not done that in recent memory but that appears to be changing this year all right ucf and kansas i feel like we're a little bit ripped off on this one because when this game at the beginning of the year i thought oh man john rice plumley and and Jalen Daniels, and we don't really know if we're going to get either of those guys. I think Plumley might play based on the fact that he was in uniform and warming up last week, and Gus Malzahn decided not to play him because he hadn't really practiced all week. But uh, Jalen Daniels doesn't look like he's going to get to play, and that is a that is a bummer for Kansas. It might not be for UCF, who uh, squandered their chance at their first Big 12 win last week. Yeah, so I think when you – UCF – 
like, I've, I've made this pretty clear. Like, I actually don't know if there's this massive drop-off when you go from McLean to Rice and Plumlee because I think the strength of the team on offense is the playmakers. So that is my kind of question for them is, you know, is it going to look a lot different? They're kind of the same group anyway. And the loss last week was, I mean, let's be honest about it, Baylor's effort was great, but it was a lack of focus and a loss of focus on the part of the night that caused them to lose that game. On the Jalen Daniels thing, uh, uh, Jalen Bean, uh, Jalen Bean, uh, Jason Bean's a very capable backup, but the thing for him is like he's straight line fast and he's a pretty decent deep ball thrower. It's just kind of everything in between, you know. He's, you know, it's like it's not the guy you pick to to get you two yards, right? Uh, he's not as shifty as a Jalen Daniels is. He's more just kind of I want to get around the edges. If you get me the corner, like I'm gone, right? Track speed, I guess, the right way to say that. Obviously, there's a track star in his high school days in Texas. And so, you know, they can still run the football. And that's the one thing UCF, uh, you know, rushing-wise, like in their rush defense stand up to what we've seen so far from Kansas running offense. But they're running offense a lot better when Jalen Daniels is in command of it and he's in control of everything. And he's a threat with his feet as well, too. So it's a huge loss. And I feel bad, man, because, you know, for Jalen, I don't think he wants to miss any games at all. I just, I, you know, I, I think um, there's been some frustration on this front. Uh, and obviously it hurts his draft stock too because he's a guy that you know probably has designs on playing at the next level and might have a chance to be you know a backup uh, you know get an opportunity in the NFL. And obviously that's being hurt right now by the fact he's not playing. So I think he wants to be out there for KU and for himself and for his future and all those things. I just feel bad because you know back injuries, man. You just they're just you never know when they'll go away and and they can be crippling and debilitating. So I do feel bad for him on that front. But um, I think Kansas. I think this is one of those games where you think, all right, they lost a lot of games last year with being as a quarterback. They were competitive in a lot of games when he was a quarterback. Can you cash it in? Can you win those games? Because that begins to prove that you've built depth and the quality of your program is getting better when individual players go out and you can still succeed. And luckily for them, this is one of the positions where they are a bit deeper. All right, we'll we'll come back to Texas Tech and Baylor in a second. What is – TCU looks like they're just missing a gear right now to me. Yeah, you know, like we yeah. like they're playing Iowa State this week and they should get that that win, but they do look like they're missing a gear. And West Virginia, you know, is really tough on defense. They took advantage of every momentum swing in that game last week. So not to make too much of a three point loss, but they do look like they're like because they want to go fast. That's that's the only thing that Kendall Bryles believes in. It is. I had Steven Simcox on the show earlier this week, and I called it the Ricky Bobby offense. I mean, that's what it is. It's like, I want to go fast, you know, first or last. That's what they want to do. Right. And they can't really do that right now. Yeah, so I, I think we've talked about this when it comes to Texas Tech as well, too. Like, Zach Kittley's offense, it's great when you're pouring it on because a team can blank and they're down. But also, you can blank and your offense has been on the field for three minutes of game time, and you've given the other team three possessions, and the game is back tied again. That's what happened when Texas Tech played Wyoming. And so when you have you – know, TCU's defense should be the strength of their team. I do think Chandler Morris is, is improving. When a team like West Virginia tightens the screws on you a little bit and you can't get completions and you can't run the ball very effectively and you're trying to go fast, like you're not really wearing them down. And West Virginia is kind of the worst team to do it because they want, they, they want you to do that. They, they want it. Like if you're going to say, all right, let's test things like cardio and hearts. And, you know, uh, you know, ability to make, you know, like tackling, you know, like fundamental stuff and kind of the stuff that coaches love to talk about. Like, 
they are very well conditioned to win that game because they believe in, in what they're doing. And uh, you saw them. They tightened the screws on TCU last week. And special teams wasn't good enough. And, and, and it's weird to say. I think for Sonny Dykes, because he's kind of a laid-back guy, last year was good for him. Was was nice because that roster was so old and full of guys that could take care of themselves. And, like, when push came to shove, that team kind of had Sonny's demeanor of, like, all right, we don't press too much. We're totally fine. And when the, you know, Baylor game obviously being the, the best example, Texas Tech game, too, last year, oh, it's tied to the fourth quarter, stretch it out. Oh, we need the fire drill field goal. You know, we get a stop. Then the fire drill field goal. Okay, we get it done. All those kinds of things. Like, this team is not conditioned to do that. And so I think Sonny would like to be a bit more hands-off, but I think he needs to be a bit more kind of in guys' ears, hands-on, you know, uh, much more of a West Virginia type, like we're all pulling on the same rope type deal because it, it doesn't really seem like the hit that type thing was great last year. It was really good, but that was kind of branding and whatnot. It didn't seem like Sonny had some kind of party line. It's just like everybody knew how to take care of business and it gelled really well. He's going to be a bigger part of the gelling this year. It feels like, and there needs to be some kind of message that's resonating with the guys because it's not right now. And obviously personnel wise, they're just not quite the team they were last year. And if I'm betting this game, I mean, I'm, well, I, I'm just not, if I'm a betting person, I'm not, I'm, Staying away from TCU minus six and a half at Iowa State because that that line stinks to high hell and you, I mean you don't. Rocco Beck has actually looked pretty decent at times, so you're not really sure what version you're going to get. And this is a good chance for Iowa State to pick up a win. And there's not too many of those in the schedule this year. Yeah, uh, that brings us to Baylor and Texas Tech, two teams that have had wildly disappointing two and three starts. Baylor off the gigantic comeback win. Uh, first time Blake Shapin's played four quarters. He's healthy. Uh, that certainly changes the outlook for Baylor. But uh, at Texas Tech. Uh, is not going to have their starting quarterback for the rest of the year. It's going to be Baron Morton. This is, um, you know, a good opportunity for him to see, to let it loose. Joe McGuire is one and seven so far on the road at Texas Tech. That's the only reason I picked Baylor because I really don't know how to put my finger on this game because both these teams are not consistent at anything. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the mental advantage. Like, this is one where Baylor has that too, because what happened last year, right? And this is a game where Baron Morton was terrible last year, and that was a, the home game for Texas Tech. So I think about that as well. And, and look, like, what do you take? You know, they went shot for shot with Houston, but Houston's the ultimately, the ultimate, like, when are you focused? When are you not? And they kind of folded up shop in the second half of that game. The defense had exceeded effort in the second half of Houston. Their offense, I mean, just was shuttered in the second half and did not play well enough. It's like, how much do you, you know, what do you take stock of in a game like Texas Tech and Houston? And then, what do you take stock of in a Baylor massive rally when they're getting, you know, the, the doors blown off for most of the game? And I'm glad they're able to take advantage. But once again, like UCF exposed a lot of things last week. And this Baylor team, you know, they needed a massive rally and they've got a win over LIU and the rest of it's just pretty ugly right now for them. So, ideally, personnel wise, you probably give the advantage to Texas Tech. But I think Baylor's got a little something right now. Uh, I think it's one of those also to, uh, you know, Paul, like, Richard Reese, man, why I, – I just have a lot of questions about why he was not being used more earlier. And I remember we talked – I think I was talking to Grayson, you know, the season uh, before it started, just him talking about, oh, Dominic Richardson. And I'm like, I've watched Dominic Richardson run the ball for years now. Richard Reese is a better prospect. He's, he's a better – he looks like he kind of gets the offense. He's a better runner over the offense. And they went Richardson in last week. You know, you saw Reese have a really good game, and it feels like he's beginning to step up. And that's the guy they should be feeding the rock to at this point. So I feel like they found a bit more of an offensive rhythm. And I do think the receiving core is really good. And 
the defense obviously is the one area where the personnel is not great. So I think that's that's the one place tomorrow. It's like, all right, we have a mental advantage, but we we cannot let the quarterback get comfortable because it's not a guy who's comfortable in general. I think yeah, you know he looked good last week, but like against us, he is not comfortable. We have a mental edge there. They have to maintain and keep that edge to start the game off. And it's a fascinating game because I don't know how good the winner is going to feel afterwards, but I know that the losing fan base and losing coaching staff and losing team are not going to be in a very good spot. Um, so it's it's kind of like a a win. You're like, okay, thank God. Like we're just we're you know we can get the next week. If you lose, you're like, oh no. I mean, a bowl game could be in doubt for whoever loses this game. Yeah, I mean, if you're two and four, and look, this was skating on the very precipice of being one and four versus one and four last yeah. week. There was a time where you're like, oh man, this could be just terrible. But now it's got some renewed hope to it. I, I, I need to see that last week wasn't just a moment for Baylor. You know, like they, there are, there are see, like every team, there's going to be like teams that are mediocre like Baylor is uh, right now that, <laughs> have those moments where like, holy cow, look what they can do. But then it's just right. that second that that was the, you know, everything that had to happen happened for Baylor to do that. And it was like 10 things that had to happen, maybe even more like in succession that right. all those dominoes fl- fell. It could be a fleeting moment in time. Yeah, exactly. So they've got to prove that it's not. And, and we'll see uh, here because it, um, I think there's two moments that stick out to me as the, as it relates to this game. They, uh, years ago, beat A&M uh, in overtime and essentially ruined A&M's year because A&M was going to host game day. Oklahoma's coming in. They beat A&M in overtime at a, at a mostly empty Floyd Casey Stadium. It was a huge win for Baylor for years because they hadn't beaten A&M in 20-some-odd years, and they finally did, uh, but they weren't very good when it happened. Sean Bell was the quarterback uh, back then, and then – it didn't really matter for Baylor season other than that one moment. And then I also think about this with Baron Morton. There was a game uh, a few years ago where uh, Casey Paha was a quarterback at TCU. You remember this? He got in trouble. Yeah. He got suspended. And Trayvon Boykin had to be the quarterback. The weeks leading up to the Baylor game, Trayvon Boykin looked like absolute garbage. It was like, oh, man, this is really right. setting up well for them. And then he came in here and he kicked their ass. Like that, (laughs) that is what they have to avoid historically at Baylor, because again, you have those moments in time, but the moment in time that they need to worry about is Saturday at seven o'clock. Yeah. I just, I'm wondering about Texas on the road when the momentum changes, like they're just not, they're not the group that, you know, that that, that kind of stands tall Mm -hmm. uh, on the road. And I think their play style is a, is a pretty significant part of that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm wondering, like, if Baylor can run the ball effectively in this game, I mean, I just I don't see a tech-to-tech pass to victory. Like, they can try to bomb it on them as much as possible, but I just, I'm just wondering about Morton's consistency. And, look, I'm with you on, on quarterback play. Like, guys just – and Will Howard for the longest time, I could not get behind it. But there was a moment where, like, Will Howard just got – like, you sell. he's better now. He's older now. I, I'm, I went to Missouri. Brady Cook, great example of this. They the Middle-Tennessee Day game this year thinking, all right, same old Brady Cook. They almost lost. They got K-State this week. It comes out against K-State and just turns it up, and he's been, you know, he's one, one of the better passers in all of college football since. Like, guys just hit up a certain point where their confidence goes. And um, I mean, it could be this week for Baron Morton. Uh, Tech Tech would be really lucky because that, that changes their season if he becomes that guy. I just, I just, I don't, I don't think it's tomorrow. 
I don't. I, it could be tomorrow. I, I just don't think that moment's tomorrow. Not say that moment's not coming. Very important. Okay, let's go rapid fire through some of the national games this week, Josh. Let's start with Georgia and Kentucky. Is Georgia still vulnerable, or have they gotten it scared out of them yet? Uh, this is a hammer down game. Uh, t- Kentucky played them pretty close last year. I believe sixteen six was the final. Um, I think this is one of those games where Georgia makes a point. Uh, last week they got some things going offensively, and like that was the most Georgia thing ever. They needed it. They went to a NFL caliber tight end. I mean, you know how many teams would Brock Bowers be playing tight end on right now on Sundays? Uh, and they went to him, and he was and he was great. And I'm wondering, you know, are they going to carry that over this week? Because Kentucky has this amazing rushing performance last week. I don't think you can do that again against Georgia. And I like Devin Leary. I don't know what happens though if you make. Kentucky more of a passing team. And so I think Georgia at home, I think they know what's being said about them right now. I think it's kind of where, much like Nick Saban, I think that is where Kirby prefers the team to be. And I'm expecting a massive performance from Georgia tomorrow. I think they win. I think they win going away. Okay. Ohio State and Maryland. Maryland is dangerous. Uh, Are they? Are we sure? I think so. I mean, look, I, I mean, they score. That's for sure. They do, and they, they played Ohio State pretty close last year, if mm. I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, I mean, they can't cover these guys, and it's on the road. That, that's mm-hmm. the one problem, right? And if I'm going to take a, you know, I don't think Kyle McCord's the best quarterback in the world, but, like, Khalil will make some mistakes for you, and I think he might make some mistakes tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I, I think Ohio State's just got way too many playmakers. And Maryland's a good story, but, you know, I, I think, like, this is a – 14 point you know if you if you lose by 14 or 20 like you don't feel terrible about what happened if you hang around for a little bit for for maryland yeah absolutely all right uh a&m and bama so i i live work in arkansas uh saw them last week if they if if uh alabama's got a little bit better offensive line than arkansas does but if that defensive line for A&M plays the way they played last week and they can use four, sometimes five guys, and get home with relative ease, it's going to be a long day for, for Alabama. I just They have not gotten the running game going in the way that you'd want to see outside of Chad. I think the one thing they're going to need from tomorrow is to evade guys and, and look like – you go back to that Alabama-Texas game, Milro did complete some – or did create some throwing opportunities. The Texas came after him, and he had some chances, and he's got to hit some throws. But the one thing he gives them is, like, he gives the receivers a bit more time. He gives those guys time to get open. He does create more of his legs. He, the receivers have to get more open, and he needs to make throws is the big thing. But, you know, I think a has got some playmakers, and, and, and I want to see what the fast rush looks like for for Alabama as well. But I'm, I'm rolling A&M, man, because that is a red-hot defense right now. And uh, the better they play, the more I'm impressed with what happened. Maybe it's an aberration, maybe it's not, but – Miami, man, I, I don't know what happened in that game, but uh, something happened when they beat A&M. Uh, and, um, because the, this defense was nasty now. Yeah, Miami's, Miami's got speed again for the first time in a long time. Yes. Here's here's how I picked it. I think A&M wins this game like a bunch of like bloodthirsty wolves. Like they just tear after Alabama. And then three weeks from now, somewhere they'll lose a game that they have no business losing. Correct. That's, that's their MO. Like... You know, get the big I'm, one. I'm on board. Yeah, lose the small one. Well, Josh, uh, enjoy the game that you're going to tonight, uh, and we will talk to you again next week, buddy. Sounds good, Paul. Anytime. All right, Josh Neighbors, Crystal Ball College Football, the Neighborhood Watch.
This has been a Rogue Media Network production. Wait.